What's going on, everybody? 360 Digital Closing Bell here. I am your humble, humble correspondent, Michael Tanner. Joined on this gorgeous Monday morning, July 13, 2020. I mean, literally the only time it's nice here in Denver is between the hours of 5 and 7 a.m. Otherwise, it is brutally hot. I've seen... Oh, I, and I'm terrible with heat, so just forgive me on that. This, I, I know I've been saying on the closing bell every day, um, Stu, that it's... Uh, that it's a nice day in Denver. It's way too hot. I've got like nine fans going here in the studio. It's absolutely unbelievable. And speaking of Stu, I am joined by the executive producer of the show, the purveyor of the show, and the publisher and director of the world's greatest website, oilandgas360.com, Stuart Turley. Stu, how are you doing today? Don't tell me it's as hot down there as it is here. Oh, um, yesterday it was so hot. How hot was it? I, I, it was, I, it was so hot. I had to set. I was watching TV with my roommate sitting in my room or sitting in our living room, and we had to set three fans up to coat to basically spin at different speeds. So at every point we could be hit. It was a, it was a feat of engineering, um, spectacularity. Actually, I mean, I do have a degree in engineering, so I have to, I have to say, I was able to fall back on some hard learned lessons there. Um, if I say it was a beautiful day in the neighborhood in Dallas. I'd be lying. Uh, people were laying all over uh, the place uh, in fire hydrants. I've never seen so many people in a fire hydrant. And my house, thank goodness I'm in a basement, but I don't have AC, so it absolutely kills me. And I, as you know, Stu, I'm always wearing a sweater, so it, it just, uh, it, uh, it sweats all the time. But we have a great show for you guys lined up as we digress. Yeah, here on episode number 32, we're going to, Cover a bunch of different stuff. We're going to cover OPEC. They came out with some crazy stuff this morning. We're going to kind of look at some demand numbers and take a look at what maybe is in store for, for some of these cuts that are coming up. We're going to check with the levels and what happened with the COT this week. Uh, 360 official, non-official one is still suspended, but I do have some thoughts on where I think that might go, so we'll kind of dive into that. But first, guys... This show would not be possible without our friends at Adam and Teen Energy. We love those guys. And really what they're doing is they're asking what is social risk for the energy industry. And really, this is the interesting part. It's not just community opposition to development projects. It's everything from the size, or excuse me, from the success of the divest from fossil fuels movement to the investor engagement on all of your ESG programs. These individual states that are setting these crazy ambitious climate and decarbonization agendas. Social risk seems like it's everywhere, moving fast and multiplying like zombies. And that's why you need to be be following Adam and Teen Energy, and you really be working with them. These guys are helping you prepare for all of the social risk and your options, your response, how your peer companies are responding, and the opportunities that social risk can actually create for your business. They're led by Tisha Schuler, who's the CEO, who's the former CEO of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association. She also hosts a podcast called the Energy Things Podcast that I highly recommend checking out. If for nonetheless to try to peer inside the mind and get some ideas on how you yourself can move some of your ESG programs, it's called the Energy Things Podcast. It's Designed for oil and gas leaders who are attempting to who are attempting to 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 you know who are interacting with this problem because there is a balance and, and Stu you know this you know there is a balance between how far do we go to go down the ESG road to you know may actually making profit because there is that you know there is a give there is a give and take with both of these now I think the interesting part is that a lot of people think it's one or the other it can be both now it's not. You can have your cake and always eat it too. But sometimes, too, you're allowed to have a slice of cake and eat a couple bites off of it as well. It's not, you know, as the old saying goes. So, guys, please, if you're not following or listening to her podcast, guys, check it out. Apple Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Energy Thinks Podcast. These guys are great. Um, 
This show is also brought to you by the world's greatest website, oilandgas360.com, where you can find this show, the 360 Digital Cool Email, on all I on all podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify. You can find us on YouTube. Follow Oil and Gas 360 on all of the social platforms. That um, you can follow the Energy 360 News Desk, which is the best place for real time news updates. Guys, check out the Oil and Gas News Desk on oilandgas360.com. Connect with me and Stu on LinkedIn, guys. This is the most available show on the planet. I put my email in the show notes. You can get a hold of me literally nine different ways. You should also check out the Energy 360 podcast by Intercom, which is the place for energy industry thought leadership. They're dropping, or we're dropping some new episodes coming up this week. Stu, what's on the docket here? Um, it's Monday morning. <laughs> uh, tomorrow, uh, uh, we have. Uh, I think it's Andrew Dittmer. Is that uh, the, yeah. in, in Varus? We we did yeah, in Varus on Friday. Uh, that was an excellent interview. Uh, he did uh, really outstanding. Uh, it was a, a lot of fun with that. And, uh, well, I think he confirmed, you know, you know, the, uh, Andrew Dittmer, who's one of the 7,000 vice presidents over at Enverness. And, and, and I say that with all due respect, I mean, they're, they're a huge company, over like 1,200, 1,200 people. And they're, they have so many smart people working over there. And he's one of the brilliant guys working in their M&A department. Really confirmed a lot of what we've been talking about, specifically about probably the natural gas is where a lot of this capital is going to be spent, if at all. So it's, it's nice to hear the experts kind of back you up a little bit. Um, absolutely. And he, uh, he did an outstanding job, uh, when we sit back and we also have a really cool, um, article this week dropping Wednesday. This one is from an Alaskan firm, uh, and they are an electricity provider for Fairbanks and, uh, they have gotten whacked by the EPA and it's actually part of the EPA. It's the home heating Mm. that has driven the city over and this alaskan company is providing esg by buying a renewable biofuel company so pretty cool story of a energy uh coal company doing esg and how they're solving a problem excellent excellent but i I think the the other part that i think that you know you know, it's a great interview. This, this company calls Aurora Energy. They're up in Alaska. Basically, what they did is there were some regulations that were coming down about the current way people were heating their homes. And if you can believe, I mean, this is this is sort of what shocked me. People in Alaska heat their homes with wood. It's wild to think about. And so that causes huge amount of not only emissions, but the air quality is absolutely terrible. So they were able to take the existing wood burning fires and convert them into pellet fires which is basically zero emissions and they were able to you know really really work on the air quality what i did and so we really focused on sort of you know why they made that choice but really what it's a sign of is the free market solving an issue we talk all about do we need regulations do we need the government to come in and 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 regulate this well if you if you don't the free market might solve out a problem and this i think is a perfect example of it and we didn't necessarily pound on that in the interview but that's was my big takeaway was the, the company is ESG and social responsible. They are giving back to the community always. And that's, I mean, it's, it's like I mentioned earlier, have your cake and eat it too. There's a free market solution that chose ESG. It happens. You had just had, it happens. And so I think that's why we chose to highlight this. That's a great interview. That'll be out on Wednesday um uh, july 15th tomorrow which will be july 14th you can listen to andrew dittmer anybody else or is it just these two this week 
that's the only two we got. Now we're interviewing some folks up in Canada uh, tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow. And this one's going to be a, uh, more of a political uh, shot that we're sharing. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. Just what I want to do, chat politics, but I'll come prepared. Oh, you bet. And it's about pipeline. I mean, it's just... Yeah, speaking oh. of it, we've got a lot of pipeline stuff coming up. And I, I almost wanted to spend the first segment talking about the Dakota Access Pipeline. But it's just, one, it's beating a dead horse in my eyes. Because... <laughs> No, anyone who listens to this podcast understands that this is just a hit job. That's what's going on. There's no unique take. There's no, you know, there's no interesting way you can spin this and, and find some store other than this is a hit job. This is going to increase costs on oil suppliers. And it, it's probably going to end with a reversal and energy transfer is probably going to win this one. They're probably not going to, you know, if I had to guess, they're probably not going to, to flood it or uh, flood it. They're probably not going to, uh, I don't even know how you would, you know, do you just stop it and then let all the oil that's in it flow out? I don't even know how you clear a pipeline. Um, but however you go, that's something we'll have to talk with Steven next week and figure out how do you actually like get oil out of a pipeline? If it's just flowing, do you have to stop it at one end and let it all kind of just flow uh, through? Do you have any idea? Yeah, you got to put a pig in it and then you got to run pressure. And So uh, what, you just stop it on is- one end and then you kind of just keep it pressurized, but let it flow all the way through? Oh, the pig is, uh, there's different kinds of pigs. And uh, I've had to get in there and pull them. And that is one nasty job pulling that greasy pig. It is actually called a pig. Oh, interesting. Okay, see things, you know, as I said earlier, I mean, technically I'm an engineer. I'm not an engineer. I have a degree in it, but that doesn't count for anything. I'm I, a desk, I call myself a desk jockey. I'm a lifelong desk jockey, but, uh, but yeah, no. So I, 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 that's why I just, that's all I've got to say about the Dakota access pipeline. I mean, Stu, if you have an interesting, if you have an interesting take on this other than it's a hit job and um, probably is not going to end up being, um, you know, it's, they're probably going to continue to flow. I don't think, you know, if, if you haven't, you know, now's say it now. Speak well, now, or do they say speak now? Forever hold your peace at weddings. Otherwise, I'm shutting it. I'm shutting conversation down on the pipeline. Well, uh, we, you and I, are finishing up a uh, article for the Oil and Gas 360 magazine coming up for the Oil and Gas conference. And in this magazine, uh, the hit job that's going on, so to speak, in the global environment uh, is. And economics is what we are talking about. And line number five, this article ran this earlier week, is a perfect example mm-hmm. of the horrible impact that some of these things are having. And the consumer, the poor, are the ones that are getting affected by this because the kilowatt per hour price is going up. That's the key. And that's the exact key, Rob, is the kilowatt per hour and it becomes almost a regressive tax system. The more you increase energy costs, the more you increase the cost it made you know, to live. You, re- it's a regressive tax on the poor. So you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a great article. We got you got some great facts in there. I haven't, you know, you. I love how you. I, I appreciate you saying we. I haven't touched this article yet. You haven't sent me a draft yet. So once I see a draft, we can dive into more. But I'm sure it's stuff with great stuff. Uh, it's it's. I like it. I've been having fun putting it together. Good, 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 good. So, 
a part of the reason why we don't need to talk about the Kodaks' pipeline is because, you know, really the, the, the big news item that dropped this weekend was was OPEC and their allies, you know, setting uh, – uh, who are set to ease oil cuts. Sorry, I was pulling up the article here. Fox Business article that we've actually got up on the Oil & Gas 360 News Desk. And I'll just kind of read the top paragraph. An alliance of crude oil producers led by Saudi Arabia is pushing OPEC and its allies to increase oil production starting in August. Officials in the group said amid signs that demand is returning to normal levels. Currently, the 23 producer group is collectively has cut 9.7 million barrels a day. They're looking to curb those cuts by 2 million barrels, dropping them down to only 7.7 million barrels a day. So OPEC... After three months of production cuts, holding up the price of oil and, and doing a pretty good job of it. I mean, we were at, if you look at, you know, where oil was, if you if you go with a three-month chart here, I mean, oil was, let's just say it was, I don't, I don't want to say it was negative because it was negative, but I mean, oil was in the teens and cuts brought them, cuts brought it back up and, you know, we're currently stabilizing in the $40. So to say these production cuts haven't worked, it's been false. They've definitely, definitely worked. But now the issue is this, you know, you've got companies coming or you have, you know, top research firms coming out. Let me make sure I get the cut. I want to make sure I get the company correct because everyone's got their own different pricing structures. Uh, what was the name of it? It wasn't Rystad Energy. I don't want to, I don't want to put this number with them. They've already, I already, we already pick on them enough. I'm, I'm forgetting it's due. This, this is why when you do these, here we go. I knew it was close. Rapidian Energy Group. Global demand is set to rebound by 18% here in the next quarter three. So that's 2 million barrels right there that in quarter three, which started 13 days ago, they already expect to come back on. So to think that these production cuts at 9.9 million barrels a day were here to stay, that was a fool's errand to think that. We all, everybody, especially you know, you know, on, the, on the trading side of these, we all knew this was bound to happen. And the, re, and the reason why it probably was bound, not bound to happen, but, but one of the reasons why um, this you, you, this was going to happen at some point was Saudi can make money at, at, at $40, $42 a barrel. They have the ability to shut in only some of their most expensive stuff, but the majority of their stuff is not, you know, is not um, uh, horizontal. I mean, to, you know, you know the one thing that, that that I you know this is just something anecdotal that I've been told. Some of the smartest engineers in the world come from Venezuela. Why? Because that's some of the hardest oil in the world to extract. Saudi Saudi, uh, Saudi engineers they're not known as the drilling specialists. They do everything else extremely well. But it's very easy. You basically dig a hole and oil comes up. I could probably be a drilling engineer out there. So to to. to so when it comes to, you know, they can, so, so what that means is they can make money. Less expensive drill operations. That's like 70% of CapEx goes to like drilling and completions when you want to produce oil. So if you can, if that's your, if that's 10 times lower than every your competitors, you're going to make money at this. The key is the low cost and, and, and the small nations, Stu. It's these little smaller nations, specifically, as I mentioned, Venezuela. I mean, they, they have got a whole host of issues. Nigeria is on the brink of disaster. They need, they need oil at like 60, 70 bucks to balance government revenues let alone balance the you know balance oil and government revenues need to be balanced at 60 70 they want it back on um qatar wants it back on iran would love this to come back on so it's all it's not you know and really your favorite country russia they want it back on they need higher oil prices you're going to say something oh no and, and you are uh, alluding to the whole thing and it's not the production price that countries need you said it exactly and that is 
what price do people need to pay? Uh, what price do they need for oil to support all their public programs and the government spending? Well, exactly. The, and even Saudi needs them a little, little higher. Now, they have huge reserves that they can draw from. A lot of these countries don't necessarily have the big reserves that Saudi has that can, that can really draw from them. It's over 50, uh, I think even 55. I'll yeah, and that's, and that's to just take in more than they spend. They have, you know, somewhere over like six, seven hundred billion that's just parked in different, you know, short, you know, different accounts that they can access. So they've, they've got money. Um, it'd be pretty good to be a, to, to, to be a Saudi, uh, uh, what is it, resident or, or Saudi national? Don't, don't you get like a, just a fat check from the government every year because of oil money? But right now they're dipping into reserves to pay that fat check. Well, if you're a citizen, you're not seeing that. You're still getting the checks. Well, uh, that's part of our international story of uh, depression versus recession and how the green versus uh, all that's coming around. We're going to apply the podcast for Saudi citizenship so we can start getting our uh, citizenship check every month. Well, Pay it out in riots. The uh, the intercom Saudi uh, uh, desk. There you go. <laughs> I love it. So, you know that's you know. So when we look forward, you know, I yeah. I mean, these cuts were. You know, I, I think anybody who thought nine point nine or nine point seven million barrels was going to stay this way through the end of the year, you were. I think tricking yourself into something that probably wasn't going to happen. I think you knew you you knew before rather than later than we do this. I think the key is how quickly do they take these? You know, how quickly do they bring it down to three, four million barrels? It's not. I think this. You know, this is a. I think you know. I, I this is the same way, and and, and this is something that um, Saudi Energy Minister. Um, again, I want to get his name right. Um, Prince Abudazat Ab- bin Salam. I, 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 not even, I, Prince Bin Salam, he has loved and has openly expressed admiration for former Federal Reserve Chairman Alan Greenspan. And if you kind of read between the teams, would love OPEC to sort of ask as, act as the oil central bank, that you come to them if you need it. And he would love to have that sort of sway over the energy markets. So the real question that comes from this I think is how quickly do they decide to turn this tap back on and what they do to try to reestablish the price for, you know, and reestablish their price down. It's clear they can control it. The question is how quickly do they cut this off? Because as we'll look, you know, moving into things to watch for on U.S. shale, we ran a couple stories last week. U.S. production is a whole other animal. And that is, you know, as we can see, can is, is could, could completely balance this out and, and, and it'll be interesting. So, OPEC's going to start turning them back on. I don't think it's necessarily a surprise. I think what will be interesting is how quickly they do it. They need to do this quickly, you know, as, as there, there's some sources that got, I'm, I'm looking at a Bloomberg article. It looks like they're already, you know, Saudi and Russia are already looking for August delivery and looking to uh, sign contracts. So this, this 2 million cut, they're meeting July 15th. It'll probably be signed then, but but we might have. And, and, and the oil market's new. And I mean, if, if you're wondering right now, markets are open six uh it's 6:50 a.m. right now here on Monday as we're watching this. So the pit hasn't quite opened yet. As you know, the pit's 9:30 Central Time. Okay, so you're talking 8:30 Mountain. So you're talking 8:30 Mountain, t- or excuse me, 8:30 Central Time, 7:30 Mountain Time here. So you got about 40 minutes for the pit to open. But this news dropped overnight. Oil only dropped 30 cents. We're holding steady at about 40. You know, 40 even right now. It's only about 50 cents off the index. I think the market, especially on the trading side, had an idea uh, this was coming, and so. 
Um, the real question will be what happens after this and how quickly they decide to pare it down and what happens on the U.S. side. And I think it's a good cue to go ahead and just dive in to the levels for oil trading and what's going on in U.S. shale for the week. As always, this segment is sponsored by Sandstone Capital Group. These guys do insanely good research and provide all the levels from the Energy Glimpse Solution. Guys, check them out, sandstonecg.com. Give them a call, 949-561-1818. Tell them the podcast sent you. They will cut you a sweet deal. You know, as I teased, you know, really the one thing we're watching for, at least I am in, in U.S. shale this week, is, as we know, OPEC is probably going to cut production. What happened, or excuse me, add production. They've been cutting, but they're going to add production back to the market. How does U.S. And, and U.S. operators respond to that? Especially with some of the stuff that's happening in the Dakota Access Pipeline. If, if, if they really think that's going to be shut down, there's 570,000 barrels. Probably half of that gets shut in. Probably about half of that probably gets thrown on trucks, but half of that gets shut in. If we've looked over the past two weeks... Um, production has stayed fairly flat for the oil and gas industry in terms of domestic production on a week-to-week basis. We're only about 11 million barrels, which still I think is a little high. I mean, I would have loved to see that number get down to where OPEC was at, you know, nine, eight. But we, you know, the lowest we got was like 10.2. I think was was you know 10 even was the lowest number we saw. So still obviously seeing those triple digits. Um, Devin as or excuse me, not Devin Noble as we mentioned last week is bringing on more production. I. I think you're going to not see U.S. producers bring on as much production as you think. I think they're they're looking at what happened um, and saying that if there really is a second wave, they're going to have to just do this all over again. And I think that's really the other theme that's happening in oil and gas news is, you know, depending on you know depending on how deep you are into the news or whatever, you know, there there could be a second wave of not just and I don't mean the virus per se, but of lockdowns because of the hysteria around it. And so if that happens again, and for whatever reason we have to go into a two-week, the specifically the United States or, or certain states, that's going to impact the price tremendously, even if the short-term demand loss isn't nothing. So, you know, I, I think what we're going to see this week is, is some increasing production on the U.S. side, this 40, I think especially with these cuts coming and, and you're seeing $40 hold up, I think you're going to see some, some companies begin to turn it back on. But I think the key will be what happens Wednesday with domestic production and as always, we will be following. Stu, what do you have in the international news desk for the week? Um, let me follow up uh, just on what you're saying a second ago, and that is uh, the American cowboy may be in play here. Um, and and that is we saw the pipeline folks uh, really cover and say, we're going to keep producing. Yep. Uh, Noble increasing their productions now. Um Let's take a watch at what America is going to say, because there are folks that are out there saying we're not shutting in again. So it's going to be the American. uh, We don't care. We're going to go ahead and do it. That is a factor that we don't know how to factor in. So, yeah, I think at the end of the day, these guys are also they want to make money. And I think they, I guess, make money. I don't know. It'll be interesting because some of these smaller guys, as we ran the first time on production cuts, they don't really care. They, they have, they have production levels they need to keep in order to keep leases in order to keep their, their credit facilities open. So yeah, there, there is a subset of companies who to, you know, to heck with this, we're not cut. So you're, you're absolutely right, but it'll be interesting to see how some of these majors respond who, who can maybe be a little more flexible. You bet. Now, um, we had already talked about the poor folk, uh, which 
me and you are considered as well, and, and that is getting uh, hit by uh, cost per pill, uh, kilowatt hour. Uh, we ran a story, mammoth heat wave uh, lasting weeks will cause painful spike in utility bills for poor Americans. Uh, this is happening around the world. Uh, just ran an article this morning from Australia. Excellent piece um, put out. And uh, Australia got whacked last year mm -hmm. by the fires. I mean, they just got clubbed. Uh, then Australia got clubbed by um, uh, COVID, just like we all did. They've now got a problem trying to get jobs rolling again. Here's the dynamics going on in the industry around the world. And that is in Australia, 72 of the largest solar and wind projects are being done by foreign countries. Mm -hmm. Those Australian jobs are not happening because it's going to solar and green. So there's now a spin to go back to fossil fuel to get jobs. So everybody says fossil fuel or uh, uh, solar and renewables. There is a place mm -hmm. for uh, solar and renewables in nuclear. It's how do you get to the cheapest kilowatt hour? That's what the people need. In Australia, it is only systemic what you're seeing also in Germany. So. Uh, that's the international news desk to look at this week is a ton of stuff coming up in finance. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, especially, you know, Australia, you know, inside baseball, you, you guys are our sec, you guys are our most listened to country. So golf clap to Australia. We love you guys out there. Uh, um, Feel free to send us any Australian swag. You can find us online at, uh, uh, you just go to Intercom's website. You can send us all the swag you want. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the kilopot where our stuff fires me up because it's, it, it, you know, access to low cost energy is the biggest driver. And we've pounded this on the podcast is the biggest driver that drives people out of poverty, but also turns countries into technological and brings them from third to second to first world style countries. Now Australia is obviously a first world country, but as you mentioned, jobs, sometimes bringing jobs back is the absolute key. So, and the fact that it's a lot of foreign com countries in, 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 in Australia, it's just, it, it's a lot of different stuff. Um, so um, Michael, uh, not to interrupt, but uh, we ran a story two weeks ago about what the hell Batman, you know, what the Hey Batman We've got a Chinese wind farm coming in just uh, five miles away from a U.S. Air Force base. Um, <laughs> why is that not providing U.S. jobs? Yeah. If you're going to put in uh, wind farms, which I believe is solar wind is energy, why use a foreign country? Sorry, I'm ranting. I'm done. No. It's, it's always good to hear your rant. Um, but I think that covers it. I mean, I think, you know, like I said, watch for increased production on the, on the U.S. side. And, and I think some of this foreign investment in, in, in the international game is, is going to be interesting. When we look at the crude oil levels for the week, I, 
I'm moving the floor up. I was originally thinking our floor for the for, for the past weeks was 3781. I'm gonna bump it up to, to 3818 and go ahead and just drop that that lower level. I'll get, we'll get the news desk updated with the chart here very soon. Um, 3909, I think, is, is is your first sub pool. We've already cracked that once, but I and we did that early, you know, lat, late last week. But we saw a nice run back up to 40. You know, currently 3949, uh, 48 is a good long level. Uh, point of control for the week is 4061. So we're trading below the point of control for last week, which is interesting. I think we have a native, na uh, excuse me, na naked point of contact up at 4082. So I mean, I, you know, when you look at price action. I'm bearish because I don't think the structure looks good. If I'm looking at volume, I think this thing's ready to pop. I think I, I think 42, 44 could be in the could be in the realm, but it really depends on what happens with the OPEC cuts. I think the fact that you saw only a 30, 40 cent drop off the news that two million barrels is going to be wiped off. Traders were already pricing this, and they already understand what happened. And I think are looking for other signals to see about where this price will go. So that's at least what I would be doing. Um, I'm, I'm, I like to call me a, a, I'm a bull bear this week. I, 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 I my, my bias. If, you, if I had to pick one, yikes. I'm going bearish. I, I don't think, I, I think we could see 41 at some point. If we see 41.50, I'm shorting. That's what I'll tell you. That's my one piece of advice. If we see 41.50, I am shorting till the cows come home. And that is really supported by the, the commitment of traders. Manage money. Uh, Manage money cut long contracts last week, which what was last week? All that forty forty one dollars. And what does that mean? They don't necessarily see the price of oil continuing to rise. Blackman is manage money or hedge funds always right? No, but they control the majority of the volume. So if they don't think the price is going to go back up, you're fighting it. You're 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 basically doing Lewis and Clark trying to get over the continental divide. You're going up river in a canoe. That's a lot of paddling. Can you imagine that? Trying to paddle upstream on a river? Unbelievable. I just watched the Lewis and Clark doc, uh, documentary this weekend. And they did literally like 800 miles upstream in the Missouri River. Kill me now. I'm, I'm down just to ride the wave. So the hedge funds, they're short. So that's partly why I am on. I, would have, I wouldn't have lasted. They were gone three years. I wouldn't have lasted two weeks before I would have just turned around. Like, I'm back to St. Louis, guys. This is not for me. I told you, I'm a lifelong desk jockey, and I'm happy to stay in front of my nine screens. I just need some AC because I'm literally sweating right now. So, I, I would have loved to have been on that to hear your whining. I would have, no, it would have, and, but it would have lasted very shortly because I would have been whoop out of there quickly. I would have been out of there quickly. You know, the last thing I think we need to do is just, just the moratorium for the 360 non-official fund. You know, remember, guys, the lawyers always make us say this so we don't get sued. This segment is for entertainment purposes only. Everybody on this show, me, Michael Tanner, Stu Stuart Turley, invest for our own account and do not manage any outside money. We do not give investment advice. We do not offer securities or have any involvement in the regulated side of the industry. Investing is risky, and you can and will lose your entire principal. Currently still under suspension right now as the portfolio has just performed terrible I mean, we definitely have some positions. I think we're going to keep that Bonanza Creek position because I like it. Um, I, I'm out of natural gas, Stu. I, I'm going to pick a new. I'm, we're going to pick a new entrance point at some point. Um, we, I, you know, really what I'm focusing on is, is actually trying to model what a, what a, what an actual like you know energy equities portfolio would look like. I mean, now's not the best time to be if if you're trying to raise money for an energy equity hedge fund. Oh my goodness, good luck. That's talk about fight. Talk about paddling a canoe up river. Woohoo! Make Lewis and, I'll make Lewis and Clark excited. Uh, but uh, 
So we'll do our best we can, and we'll probably be in a lot of renewables. I know LNG will probably be a big staple of us. Probably a lot of midstream. So um, you know that's kind of where our minds going. Give us a couple weeks. You know we're busy over here. Uh, the only uh, the only ones I'm really back in on uh, are the uh, geopark. Still digging my geopark pick. Uh, it's up three point four seven this you know right yeah. now in training, and then you've got. Uh, Duke Energy is up 1.9%. So I like Duke Energy and I like Geopark. Those are the only two I've stuck with. The rest are... Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Maybe we'll buy the new... We'll, we'll get in on the new Chesapeake. That's whatever they rebrand themselves as. That's what we'll get in at. Uh, the Rutro Peak? What was it? The Rutro... Rutro Peak? <laughs> yeah, that... That'll be, not, that'll be not bad. I'm sure that's what their IR guy's coming up with. Um... Anything else for the week, Stu? We're a little over 30 minutes here, so um, anything else we need to get these guys prepared for the trading week? I think we're absolutely going to be run amok this week, dude. Every week seems to get busier in the last, and you know, assuming you know, who knows what pipeline will get shut down this week. Um, but with that, we're going to go ahead and just let you guys get back to work. Thank you for checking out the 360 Digital Closing Bell. We'll see you guys this afternoon for the Digital Ticker.